seeking collaborations with influential people, at GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farag and welcome to Get to Know You Cafe. In my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, I wanted to hear from you listeners on last week's question and discussion. Last week, Matt Eastwood and I discussed the question, when is it the right time to take a creative risk? We received a number of responses that further deepened dialogue. Joining us today on the Get to Know You Cafe is Corey from an upcoming episode. Welcome, Corey. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. So earlier you were given the topic from last week's podcast to reflect, and you've also listened to the episode. Prior to listening to the different responses, what were your thoughts on the discussion? I loved the discussion. I thought it was very insightful. He was such an expert, clearly, in his field, and I had some fantastic takeaways. I teach, you know, public speaking in regards to business. And so I do a lot of like business persuasion type of activities and assignments for my college students. And I particularly loved the selling versus solving whole aspect he talked about. And it just fits so well with how I understand sales, how I teach sales. And he did such a good job at taking these big concepts and simplifying them, like de-risking risk, right? He just, he just, it's just so clear that he is phenomenal at his job. Yeah, absolutely. Like the conversation with him and beforehand as well, like as we, we obviously had a meeting and we're talking and the, the way he, you know, how he's gone about doing different things in his career is like really outstanding and, and his thought process and how open he is to, to mm-hmm. learning and understanding different people from different creative fields, which I thought was really, really, um, you know, inspiring. And um, did anything in particular like really stand out to you from that conversation? Yeah, I really like towards the beginning talking about how millennials are walking away from jobs where they feel they're treated badly. And we know, according to the World Health Organization, millennials are leaving work for burnout pretty rapidly as well. And so the importance of having a safe and creative work environment to help your employees thrive and to support them in their creativity, in their work, instead of this traditional, like really hyper competitive environment, but that they're are other ways to foster creativity kindly yes absolutely and that's I guess his whole philosophy like he mm-hmm. has these you know the, the post that I was telling you about work hard be nice it's like on his wall in his office which I thought was like oh I like that a lot that was his kind of you know philosophy that he kind of goes by and um, I'm not sure if you know but in Australia they said they like on average you know people nowadays like millennials have been changing their jobs like seven times or throughout their you know Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, especially with the introduction of the gig economy, uh, people, if they don't like where they work, I think they understand the autonomy that they can go and find something that they enjoy more that they want to be doing. I don't think there's very many people that stick in one company and are there until they retire anymore. And we've completely changed the way that the workforce looks because of this. 
Yeah, absolutely. Do you think, though, like is it people who are in their, like, 40s or 50s now that are staying in that same job or is what do you think those people are also shifting kind of careers? I, I'm not sure. I know out here, I mean, I'm a psychotherapist and I do work with a lot of people that would consider themselves middle-aged, like the 40s, 50s, who are looking for new careers. They experience burnout. They recognize that they might have been given this false narrative that once you're in a job, you have to stick with it forever. And that might go into just different generations' belief on loyalty and hard work and starting from the bottom and rising and things like that, which are still very important. But I do think that not just millennials, but yeah, Gen X, they, they are recognizing if they're not happy, they do have the autonomy and the ability to seek happiness, that they are not trapped in a position that they no longer want to be in. Mm. And so, of course, I have a different viewpoint because in psychotherapy, people are coming because they want to change because something doesn't feel good. And so whether that is completely changing the type of job that they're in, or maybe just the company or going into business for themselves. I do see people taking that leap and making those changes. But again, I'm not sure how universal that is. I just know in regards to my line of work, I, I do see that. Sure, sure. I wonder too, like, is the retirement age going to be a later as well? If you if you if you are changing careers and you're kind of going into using pathways that you are enjoying more, you tend to want to retire a lot later instead of earlier. Oh yeah, I mean we see that trend. People are not retiring at 65 anymore. People are working till they're 70, and I imagine that trend will keep going up as one we keep living longer due to technology, medication, uh, just all the options that we have. And two, when people are in jobs that they love and are passionate about. And that's been a huge cultural shift is doing something you're passionate about, like working to live versus living to work, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's like a huge shift that's happening. So many courses out now that I've noticed and so many people like really pushing this. Like I think, you know, since social media has really come about, like there's this strong push of like mental health and, and, and um, you know, living your passion. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty empowering. And I do think there are some catches to that, because maybe the thing you're really passionate about doesn't make you the kind of money you're hoping. Maybe you're really passionate about being a cat psychic, and you just really want to be this famous cat psychic. I mean, they, they exist 100%. But maybe picking a passion project to be a career that it may their name not be a need for or uh, marketing yourself could have challenges. I mean, of course, we some people do make it. But I do think people also have to hit that balance of, okay, I need to pay my bills and I want to be happy. And that can look different for everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so good. Yeah. I guess now, like, so some of the readers uh, sent some responses or raised some questions. So we'll kind of dive into that. And these responses come from all over the world. Mm -hmm. My first response is from Cameron from New York. So this is what he said. Uh, It was such an amazing conversation, incredibly insightful. I was pondering on a number of things after listening to this conversation. I like the statement Matt made about de-risking risk. And if we are mentally able to do that, would we move more, would we move forward more efficiently in in our creative endeavours? Oh, that's such a great question. I mean, I would think why not? I mean, that is the reason people don't take risks, right, is literally the the risk. They're afraid of the consequences. Mm. And if something doesn't work out, like that is, I mean, the fear of failure, all of these reasons that could keep somebody back from pushing forward. Uh, and 
I think that we need to normalize, and Matt also talked about this, that failures, failures aren't failures, they're steps. And if you can get into that mindset, then yeah, why not? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think so too. Like, I, I really, like, I like that question a lot. Like, you know, I think we're all, we all have this creative, I think humans in general, we all have this creative mindset. Like, it doesn't matter your education level or whatever it may be. But I think 90% of us don't follow through with ideas or projects or anything because we're like, oh, it's too costly. Oh, I have spent too much time in it. Oh, I don't have any time. You know, and there's always coming up with reasons that I guess those those reasons are are the risks that you're you're kind of like if you're able to go, mm-hmm. okay, it it won't really hinder my finances and it won't hinder my time commitments if I if I put two hours a day at this time, this hour to do this outside of my natural normal things. Like I think, you know, that's kind of a limp taking the risk out of out of certain things and you, if you're still able to focus on, I guess, your, you know, you've got a roof over your head, you've got food in your table, you're able to, like, follow through. Right, and I, I think you're also hitting on there is a privilege to being able to take a risk, that you do have that hierarchy of needs met, that you do have a roof over your head, you do have food. I mean, the more comfortable we feel in our life, probably the more likely we are to risk and the more obstacles that we face socially, economically, uh, I mean, time, how much time that we have, like some people do need to work two jobs to get their bills paid for a while. And so there is certainly a timing aspect to risk taking of if you are in an environment, or you have the energy, the time, the comfort to be able to do that. Yeah, sure. I was just thinking as you as you're talking there, like, you know, do you think risk is like, part of taking a risk is when you, you you know in some way or form you have nothing to lose so it's like oh look I'm kind of in this kind of maybe you know I think sometimes people take risks when they're in a really bad situation they're in a bad financial situation they're like you know what I've got nothing to lose I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it Right. It's probably two extremes of that spectrum. You're either comfortable enough that if you risk it and it doesn't work out, you have safety nets and you know you're okay, or you feel like this is your option, this is your way to make it. And so it makes a lot of sense to me that that could also be a perspective that you take um, out of, I mean, there's like the abundance mindset on one end, and then there's a scarcity mindset on the other, and both can get things done, right? Sure, absolutely. Like, I wonder if like one take one dominates over the other. Like, if we look at people who have been able to do things in their lives, or, or be able to stand out, or be able to take these big risks. Like, you know, a lot of the time they come from a lot of scarcity, or like, you know, they had nothing, or they, they've come from a really disadvantaged, or like not disadvantaged, but like a low point in their life, and then all of a sudden they come up, they write a book, or they do something, and their whole life shifts. But they come out of like struggle, like all those real, like so many people right. like that, right? Well, yeah, those are the stories we're more likely to hear. We don't hear a lot of the other end, except for maybe Bill Gates. He's very open about his privileged upbringing, his successful mom, and that he came from a very comfortable place growing up and was able to still build this Microsoft empire. But yeah, we far more likely hear the opposite because those stories are so inspirational. We're more likely to see ourselves in somebody who has struggled. And that is motivating because it just gives hope. 
not very many of us might be able to identify with the comfortable living, having these advantages, being able to go to the nice schools. And so I think we also seek those triumphant stories. That's so true. That's a really good point. Yeah, like we always like want to hear about like the underdog. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what are the underdog, the underdog story? And that, and most of us aren't living in a, you know, we're kind of middle or lower. And so, you know, hearing somebody who's been in the same, who's come from the same place as us, it's like, oh, okay, I can do it too. And those stories are the ones that highlight it. Oh, yeah. Well, and their advice probably feels more applicable too, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Being able to really rally your resources. And that's where creativity is huge because the less advantages you have, the more creative you have to be to get to the same place people who are advantaged are, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So our second response is from Lisa from Toronto. So she said this, she's like, think like a creative, talk like an accountant. I had never heard this before. Many creatives don't have that skill. I wonder if we, are, if we were to develop this skill, would we lose our creative flow? Ooh, I do not think so at all. I mean, the language is, yes, it could be certainly be a manifestation of meaning and how you think, but there's also just tact in that. And as you open yourself up to new ways of talking, you probably open your ways to new, open up new ways of thinking, but that doesn't mean you replace how you naturally think or who you mm-hmm. naturally are. You're just adding a new skill set. I mean, that's, it just makes a lot of sense. Why limit yourself? Like saying, I'm a creative or I'm, people will kind of use the metaphor of left brain, right brain, which yeah. we know that's not how our brain actually works, but people will heavily identify as a logical person or a creative person, but we're all both, yes. right? It's just, where are we leaning into in that moment? And so I love that question because you can certainly develop new skill set, new language, new vocabulary, and let that serve your creative side. Sure, like it like adds to it instead of like taking something away. But do you think though that like, you know, I don't know, I wonder if you're if you're very devoted into one and that's why it's so special and that's why you are creating or able to make something different or coming up with different ideas. But if you're taking, you know, you're removing attention from it and putting it somewhere else, is it kind of still like, you know, are you not able to be, I don't know, I, I'm able to grow that, that, that aspect, just that one kind of thing more so just because your attention is, is going elsewhere. Right. I mean, so that gets into like limiting yourself, right? If you really believe you are in this box, this is who you are. And if you branch out that you are going to change your identity, right? I mean, people who are creatives, probably believe I mean it's not just oh I have a skill I'm artistic or I'm a good problem solver they probably have felt this way throughout their life that they have these abilities these strengths to allow them to be creative and so the fear of if I like delve into this you know accountant logical side will I lose those parts of myself but I don't think that's true because at least in psychotherapy there is a theory called internal family systems which is based on the idea that we are made up of parts which is why we talk differently to our parents as we do our partners as we do our teachers as we do our friends it's not because we have multiple personalities but different parts are leading at different times and we need to we need to develop the parts of ourselves because they make up who we are and so spending some time with a different part and building that part up like you always have those other parts of yourself and it's okay to take turns in leading sometimes. 
Sure, sure. I really like that. As you're talking about that there, like I'm making me think, you know, I remember back in school, like I I would focus like, you know, you have all these different subjects, but if I focused a lot on mathematics, I would Mm. lose my science. I don't know, like I could just not get into that rhythm of, you know, formulating the answers with with, like different like physics or chemistry or biology or whatever it may be. So if I focused on like chemistry, I'd lose that flow with the physics like it wouldn't if I focus too much on one I kind of lost that in in another okay so for you it sounds like if you focus your it's like you don't use it you lose it right yeah. kind of thing yeah. so for you as your interest grew and you put focus somewhere else like it was hard to get back into the flow of things yeah so that's why I'm just like well what does it happen with you know, with a lot of us or if we're, we're not able to, like, you know, the, the whole if you're not practising something, you're not exercising that aspect, you, you know, mm-hmm. you're not able to maintain it. Right. And, uh, I mean, maybe some people really do feel that way. And so for them, like, being a creative has been something they've really had to maybe cultivate differently. Like, so, for example, instead of it being an identity thing, it felt like they did coursework in creative problem-solving, critical thinking, something like that. And for them, it is a skill set that needs to be continuously developed because it doesn't feel natural. Then that makes sense to me. Mm, Sure. Yeah, yeah. And do you have, like, is that, you know, is that your approach with things or are you able to kind of, like, spread yourself out in a way where you maintain flow in in a lot of different aspects or fields. Yeah, I'm not somebody who can do one thing. So, I mean, I am on my fifth college degree, so my first PhD with two bachelor's, two master's degrees, and I was a social media marketer for a while. I am a psychotherapist. I'm soon to be doing mediation, becoming an addiction counselor. Like, I like to have a lot of things on my plate because it makes my brain really happy. And I have very openly a scarcity mindset. My biggest fear is becoming stuck. Mm. So I have an also an autoimmune disease. And so if that ever in the future becomes bad enough that I can't do one thing I've trained myself to do, then I have backups. So I will never be somebody in hopes that will never have options. So I always set things up for my future self. And so I know that my future self is the one who looks back at my decisions I make today and is proud of myself or disappointed in myself. So I'm always looking at like, what decisions do I make to give future me the most options so that that person who is inevitable, future me, is never stuck. I love that so much. And like, what are your kind of skills to, to do that for yourself? Like, what, are you, what is your mindset or what, what daily habits are you doing to, to be able to, to have that ability? Well, my mindset is that I am a learner. So I definitely going into my PhD program, you are consistently getting constructive criticism to be better. And I'm now in my last year, I'm just doing my dissertation, I'm almost done. And so I definitely feel better. So the mindset of if I don't know something, I can learn it. So having a high self-efficacy, a belief in myself with an ability to do that. And some things are going to take me longer than others to get because of aptitude, interest, you name it. Um, But I'd have a very, like, a strong mindset of just being a forever learner that you're never going to know everything and there's always something new. And that's really exciting. It's really fulfilling. It's intellectually stimulating to know that there's always room for improvement. And I, there is no pressure to be perfect. There's no pressure to know it all because it's impossible. 
And when it comes to habits, oh gosh, this, I mean, I'm, so I'm not great at time management, oddly enough. I think people probably think I'm really organized, but I am organized chaos. If you've looked at my around me, I have papers everywhere, but I know where things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do trust myself and I understand myself pretty well. Like I am not a morning person, so I don't work in the morning. I don't try to change habits just because, you know, millionaires or really successful people talk about waking up early in the morning and doing very specific things. I accept that that may not be the best habit for me to form. Like it's not unhealthy. Like, I mean, it's probably great, but I don't think I would be as happy following someone else's routine just because it worked for them. So I really listen to my body and I listen to my mind and when it works the best during the day and I take advantage of the momentum of the movement. And finally, I really discipline myself. I try not to rely on motivation because motivation is very emotion-based. It's whether you want to do it or not, and discipline doesn't care. It's going to do it anyways. So I really try to switch from a motivation mindset into a discipline one to make sure future me can look back and say, okay, I got this done, so now I don't have to worry about it. I love that so much. I love that so much. There's so much I can just take from that. I don't think, like, you know, I realize for myself, I don't have to find motivation if I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I can do it for hours and hours and hours and hours and work and learn and read and blah, 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 whatever I'm doing and, you know, and I have energy as well. It doesn't drain me. When I notice Mm -hmm. I'm doing something that I don't enjoy, I have to find the motivation and I get drained from it. Yes, happiness is the greatest energizer. Exactly, exactly. For sure. Absolutely. So our last response is from Mina from Cairo. This is what he said. He said, "Um, the question you asked, what gives one creative project momentum over another that really stood out to me what are your thoughts on this question (laughs) so can you repeat the question what gives one creative project momentum over another I will, for personal experience for me it is timing I look at life as seasons similar to farming, right? There's a book that talks about this. I can't remember the name of it, but that farmers can't be planting and gathering and sowing all the things every moment. A farmer's schedule comes in seasons. And so I look at what season I'm in in my life and whether or not I can accomplish these creative ideas I have. I have like a book of ideas, right? And I think part of going from my 20s into my 30s was recognizing I can't do everything at once. And so instead of thinking of what I want to accomplish in the next few months, I now look at like in the next five years, because I might be able to accomplish the things I want to do. It just can't all be at once. I will burn myself out. But if I just look at a broader timeline, because five years would go by anyways, I'd much rather be able to say I did these well, instead of I rushed them just to get them done or just to say that I did it. And so doing something right versus just doing something, because that feeling of failure, you try something you're really passionate about and you literally don't have the time, you just don't have the energy. And if you would have just looked at your schedule and pushed it out a little bit, give yourself that time, then you might be able to create a product or fulfill an idea in a way that is much more satisfying. So for me, it's about timing. Timing. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. For me, I guess, I think you have momentum. What I notice with myself, I don't know with other people, is if something has continuous learning or new novelty, and there's new, you know, there's always something like 
doing a podcast. I'm always having a new conversation. There's a new question. There's new something new to research. It's giving, it gives me excitement. There's excitement and new novelty. And human brains, we need new novelty. So I think for one project to evolve, it has to have many different aspects of it where I'm learning more and more different things for it to keep flowing and keep going. Mm-hmm. So, so it like goes back to that stimulation, like happiness is motivating. Like if it is exciting to you, then it probably just gets legs of its own. And you're like probably sometimes feeling like you're catching up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that new novelty of just like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm learning something new, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing something new, right? it's going in a new direction or whatever it may be. Like, you know, if you have a product, it's usually like routine. It's like, okay, this is the product bam, 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 you're doing the same thing over and over. Like I don't think a project like that would, I would be able to make it move forward because it was just kind of, it's just a product. It's just something that is the same in all kinds of sizes, forms, whatever it may be. But with something like this, it's like it's always different. It's the same thing but it's always different in a way. Do you, do you get what I mean? Yeah, so it's never boring. Like it's not routine. It's not routine, no. So that's what I think. I don't know. I think... For me, like a project will have momentum when it has, you know, new, new learnings, new, new, new findings. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like you're really motivated by, I mean, you said novelty, but it sounds like you're a forever learner too. Yeah, I think that would be it. Yeah, things like when I'm, you know, one of the questions I sit there like reading journal articles about them and stuff. I'm learning different things, and it's like you know I'm learning about myself along the way as well I think that's probably what gives you know my projects kind of momentum yeah well because there's so much utility to it it's I mean the learning aspect but it sounds like there's like the self-growth aspect Mm. that it has multiple facets to why it's valuable to you yeah sure absolutely and then like why do you think that people like you know if they've got this passion they're excited about something then why why does it not you know, they might initially go off, like it has initial momentum and it starts moving, but then it stops. Oh gosh, probably, there's probably not just one thing. I mean, of course, timing, like if you need to put more time into something than you have, so like the resources, you have the internal and external resources, fear of failure can stop people pretty quickly. Or I mean, when that novelty wears off, like you talked about earlier, that probably 90% of ideas don't get, you know, fall through to fruition. And I think that is probably very true of not higher of just having that spark moment where you feel really empowered, really excited. You get those goosebumps of this is a great idea. This could really work. And then maybe you sleep on it. Like some time passes, you have birthdays coming up, all these things. And then you might even just forget that this was something you were excited about because that novelty, that excitement, that, that, that dating period with your idea, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the situation with it sort of wears off and you didn't put the time to cultivate that relationship with your idea and you then go on to the next idea. You start dating a new one. So I, there's, <laughs> there's probably so many reasons why things don't get picked up, but... Uh, I, I like that. I, I just came up with that metaphor right now and I'm going to go with it. So. <laughs> I like that too. I think that's fantastic. Have you heard of like, you know, I think too, like sometimes people don't know how they can create. I don't know if you've read the book with, it's called The Runaway Species um, with Andrew Branton and David Eagleman that I mentioned in the episode. And there's a whole thing about, I'm sure you know, like the creative process, there's like bending, breaking and blending and all, you know, every creative thing that arises, it 
those through one of those three things. So I wonder if, you know, if we would be able to like identify what is the best way we do create so that we can, you know, create so that we can create basically. What is the best method or process that we need to be able to create and have something come to fruition? Yeah, I mean, that's just another way to get to know yourself and how you work best. I mean, with my clients, I usually start them out on mind maps like when they feel stuck or they feel like they don't know what direction to go to. I mean, so that's a great tool I use for organizing thoughts of just to get people started. But there are so many ways to get to a destination, right? The equifinality of paths. And so figuring out what is your best path, like what path will serve you the most? What environment do you need to be in? I know on that podcast, you there were I mean, you two were talking about, I mean, taking time to be creative, right? Taking space, like figuring out like what you need in order to get those juices flowing, whether it's conversation with people, like riffing off each other. Some people are audible processors versus cognitive. So they need to hear themselves out loud to further develop something. And that can really spark momentum too. And so experimenting with different ways to be creative. I mean, it's just genius. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder though, like, you know, how many ways are there? Like, you know, it's only, you know, like, which way is the best way for me? Like, you know, like. Right. Well, then they get creative and figure out a whole new way, right? I mean, there's probably not even a set number, which is what's really cool. We know, right. We know more about, I think I've heard we know more about space than the human mind, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Corey. Like, I love like talking to you really like, you know, you've opened my mind a lot and I like your brain and your thinking and and how you go about like what you've done in your own life and then how you go about processing things. So like that to me is really like enlightening. And I think for others too, like when they listen to this and, and listen as me and Corey are doing a podcast. So, um, be, be sure to tune in for that and um it's so great to get these different responses from from different listeners and it really shows like you know we all have different kind of experiences and environments so we always come up with different questions that maybe other people didn't think about and it's nothing to do with intellect so it's really great to be able to bring these all together and really show people like more perspectives and clarity and kind of add questions to the discussion so thank you so much for coming onto the podcast Yes, thank you for having me. And I'm excited to do the next one with you later this week. So yeah. It will hopefully not be an allergy mess that day. <laughs> but, uh, thank you for everyone if my voice is off for putting up with. No, your voice is so <laughs> Your voice is fine. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Get to Know You Cafe. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review, and share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tag me at Get to Know You with Tiffany Farrah. Be sure to listen to Tuesday's podcast and send in your responses for us to include next Thursday on the Get to Know You Cafe to further deepen dialogue on this topic. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss, be sure to tag me in a post with your question. Join us every Thursday on the Get to Know You Cafe.